Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Well, I want to talk to people today that are, uh, that are fighting on multiple fronts. Maybe it's not one thing that you're facing, but maybe it's many things that you're facing. Maybe you're facing relational battles. Maybe you're facing financial hurdles. Maybe you're uh, facing physical impossibilities. Maybe you're facing emotional difficulties. Maybe you're uh, facing uh, mental challenges. Maybe it's a a decision overload. Maybe it's uh, rogue, crazy thoughts that you can't seem to get rid of. Maybe it's depression or anxiety. I believe I want to talk to you all today. Those of you who are fighting on multiple fronts, because I believe that God is big enough to meet us on all the fronts that we fight on. Amen. I want to speak to those today that, uh, that have no options. You've done your very best to get to where you are, and you find yourself lonely, exhausted, feeling judged and judging, rejected and rejecting. Like, I, I don't know what else to do. I've done my very best. I don't know. And if this represents you today, you're exactly the kind of, listen to this, you're not the kind of person that Jesus sees and then turns a cold shoulder to and says, come back when you're more put together. Come back when you're not as smelly. Come back when you're not as difficult. Come back after you've cleaned yourself up. That is how the, listen, if the church has hurt you that way, let me tell you, it wasn't a Jesus church, or at least it wasn't a Jesus person. Because hospitals weren't built for healed people, they're built for broken people. And I'm telling you, Jesus didn't, stop into, uh, didn't step into a world that was perfect. He stepped into a world that was broken. He came being the one that we need. He came to put us back together. And so here, Jesus, when he sees you in all of your brokenness, he sees you that you're exhausted. He sees you that you've been fighting on so many fronts. And listen, you got yourself there, all right? Or maybe things were done to you that were out of your control. And listen, it does not matter if you were there. You actually get Jesus' attention in that place. I want to read this. Here's a person that was many of those things that I just said and actually knows what it's like to fight on multiple fronts. This is a man we don't even know his name. We just know him by, by his ailment. He's a leper. Listen, look at this. Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 12, it says this. While he, was on, on, while he was in one of the cities, that's Jesus. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Look at verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. And look at verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I want to tell you right up front, I'm not going to get to that that last verse today. Uh, We we heard a great word about prayer last week. I want to tell you this, though, that nothing stopped Jesus from withdrawing from the need and praying and being with his Father, all right? So you've got to hear, there's the, the the, the end from the beginning, all right? Like, you have to, everything 
in your life has to revolve around your time with the Father, all right? But I want to get to this. This is, what, uh, this is what Jesus' life produced, all right? He constantly spent time with his dad, all right? But this is the kind of ministry that came out of that kind of life, and we get to see a, a picture into Jesus' heart. I wanted to, first of all, I want to discuss this man that encounters Jesus. We don't know if this is on a road. I think it is probably, it is, you know, it says that, that when Jesus was in one of the cities, I, I picture this, the, the outskirts of the cities, because this was a man with leprosy, and, uh, and he was banished to the perimeter. He was banished to the margins, so here Jesus is, and maybe it's one of the roads leading out of a city or into a city, and, he, and here's the man who finds Jesus on this road. But this was not a man, this leper, this man full of leprosy, was not a person that was welcomed in the synagogue. He couldn't go to church. He couldn't live around other people. He was used to living by himself. We don't know how long. It could have been months. It could have been weeks. But it could have been years. Listen, it could have been decades that this man spent alone. We don't know how old he was. He could have been 30. He could have been 60. We don't know. He could, have been, he could have been a teenager. We do not know. All that we know is that he had leprosy. He could have been married. Leprosy could have ended his marriage. He could have been a dad. Maybe he can no longer see his kids except maybe from a distance, from yards and yards away. We don't, we don't know if he had a job. We don't know what he did. We just know, we know nothing about the man except for what he was full of, and he was full of a disease that had ruined his life. And it didn't just take his health away, it took his everything away. He is, he is fighting on multiple fronts. He is fighting on relational fronts and physical fronts, emotional fronts, and spiritual fronts. He knows what it is to be judged by everybody based on his disease. This is the kind of man that we are reading about here in verse 12. We only know that he's a man, and then we know this. We know that he came to Jesus. You hear this? He wasn't someone, he, he, he still has this going for him, that he's not someone that's just, he's not just laying in a ditch and saying, Jesus, if you want me, you'll come to me. He's not doing that. We know this. Look at this. Let me read this again. While he was in one of the cities, there, there came a man. There came a man. So at least this man is seeking to find another man that he's heard of. He's a man. He came to Jesus. And what he brought Jesus was not his own righteousness. What he brought Jesus was not a life put together. What he brought Jesus was a life that was full of disease, full of leprosy. Now, leprosy is a, is a term for a variety of skin diseases. So this could be one of many things, but there was, there was some leprosy. Man, it would, it would just overtake your life. It was believed to be very contagious. And if you had any one of these varied skin diseases, you were called a leper. So this man is banished to the outskirts of society, living on the edge of town at best, trying to stay away from anybody else, in fact, you were called, if you saw a leper, you were actually required to scream, leper, leper, leper. So let me, let me tell you this, that probably we, we can assume that this man's identity is no longer who he actually is under God's voice. But this man's identity is probably at least starting to slide towards the voices of other people afraid of him. This man's identity is starting to gravitate towards his disease instead of his soul, his, his condition instead of who he actually is in God's sight. 
And even a man full of leprosy is when God looks on the man, he's not looking at his skin, he's looking at his heart, you see. So this man's full of leprosy, but he's banished to the outskirts. He's not allowed to be with people. He's actually seen as dangerous. And then, so, so he's, got, he's got relational uh, situation here. He, he's got to be lonely. He has no uh, connection. I, maybe some of you are thinking, man, that's my dream. I want to be banished to the fringes of society and just be by myself out of this world. But hey, it may be your dream, but do you know what allows you to dream that? Do you know what causes you to dream that? It's not the kingdom dream of God. It's hurt, pain, and bitterness. I mean, you're so hurt. They just want to live by yourself, out in the woods, go off the grid. All right? I mean, it sounds spiritual in these days, but do you know what? God has called us to live in community. And when you can't, there's something wrong with your... Like God has not called us to live alone. All right? So here's, here's, a, here's a man emotionally physically, relationally, but do you even know spiritually a priest is not allowed to touch this man? A, a, a worshiper in the synagogue is not allowed to touch this man? If anybody touches him, do you know what happens? You're ceremonially unclean, and you have to go through a ritual, a cleansing ritual, just to be able to go worship again, all right, in the synagogue. So this man could not be around people, definitely untouchable, and the Bible says this man did not just have leprosy, but he was full of it. All right? It's not like he had, it's not like it was on his arm a little. It's not like he, had, you know, this man was full of it. Full. Whatever that looks like. When you're full, your whole body, his whole body was overtaken by a disease. He's full of it. It had overtaken him. Identity and all the stuff that comes along with it. So I want to talk, though, uh, uh, I want to continue on here, because that's just the, the first part of the first verse here. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. But let's keep reading. It says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Can we just talk about that for a moment? And when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, there is so much here, guys. And can I encourage you, as you're doing Bible study, to mine scriptures latent with treasure like this. There is so much here. Dig into them. Wrestle around with them. There is so much here. First of all, he saw Jesus. That is huge. This is, this is everything in this passage. Everything in this passage. He saw Jesus. There is no doubt that he was on a search for Jesus because he had heard the reports of Jesus. This is early in Jesus' ministry, but it's not the first time that Jesus has worked a miracle. In fact, just before this, Jesus told fish where to swim and report of that, you know, like, like the, the most massive catch of fish anyone has ever seen wound up on the shore because of Jesus. And so Jesus gets famous over that. But even before that, if you continue to read back, Jesus is healing people in the synagogue. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then as, as she gets healed, everybody in the town comes to Simon's mother-in-law's house. And listen, the Bible says Jesus healed them all. Every demon that was there, gone. Every infirmity that was there, gone. All of them, done. So to say that, to say that Jesus' ministry, just you know, early on, it's not like Jesus had to wind himself up into a healing ministry. He started with it. It was, the, it was the, the kingdom crashing on the, the, the mess of this dark planet. 
Jesus just starts healing people, meeting them right at their point of need. So Jesus is famous, and this man up to this point had never seen Jesus, but he did hear of Jesus. He heard the reports, no doubt. Even chapter 4, if you, if you read back, you see that, that in chapter 4, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah just happened to be the scroll of Isaiah, chapter 61. And Jesus reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, uh, proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus says, I want you to know right now that what you've just heard has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that just goes out, whoosh. There was an understanding back in this day that Jesus is not just talking about spiritual healing, but Jesus was also talking about like holistic, complete, head to toe healing. Jesus can do it. He can do it. And so this man, he's full of leprosy. He has no other options. Can you imagine? This guy talked to doctors. He, he, he talked to homeopaths. He talked to everybody he possibly could. Nobody had a remedy for his disease, but he hears of a guy named Jesus. He heard the reports. He heard that Jesus announced himself as the Messiah. He heard about Simon's mom. He heard about what happened to Simon's uh, mother-in-law's house. He, the, he heard about how the whole town came to Jesus. He heard, he heard he heard and now what he does is he gets up and he begins to seek because he needs to not only hear he also has to see this man with his own eyes he has to see you know, I, I believe let, let me talk about you for a moment and hit pause I believe the church is full of of people that have heard lots of awesome things about Jesus but have never seen with their own eyes. I actually believe that, that what, what, what sparked us last week is we started out a, with a song. We started out the service with a song that Pastor Philip wrote that says, I've finally seen you with my own eyes, and you're more than you said you would be. I believe that we're actually taught that you don't see things anymore you just have to hear the reports and believe them. And I know that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. But I'm also telling you that there, there is an importance that we see with the eyes of our heart who we have heard about. That so, so many of us, we can recite back the things that we've heard without ever encountering the one that we've heard about. And we've stopped Christianity short from just hearing to actually seeing, or I would say today, encountering I really believe that the people, the church, like you talk about the church and you say, hey, we were hellbound, but Jesus came. Hey, our marriage was headed for divorce and destruction, but Jesus saved it. The blood of Jesus, the, the rent veil, we have access to the holy of holies. We were lost, now we're found. We were you know, enemies, now we're sons and daughters. And all of those people, you think you have all this stuff going for us, but the, actually the church is the most critical, delusional Upset, angry, bitter group of homeboys and girls on the planet. Sorry, I just I went into street language there because I had to. But honestly, you walk into a lot of churches, it's, it's judgmentalism that you that you feel. You you don't you don't feel just the the you know just acceptance. You don't feel faith. God saved me. He can save you. Now I'm not talking about providence. I love what God's doing at providence, but I bet that still lingers here some. 
based on your background or based on your pain level. In fact, I think that, that sometimes when you look at the people who have only heard, they're the most angry and disappointed people on the planet. Because God didn't make us just to hear. He didn't just give us ears. He gave us a heart to feel. He gave us hands to touch. He gave us eyes to see. He didn't, he, Jesus didn't die on the cross just for your ears alone. But all of you. The most powerful part of the story is when the man who had heard goes on a mission to see. When the man who had only heard goes on a mission to find. I am going to spend the rest of my days, as short as they may be, he's, he must have been saying, seeking to see the man that I've heard of. I'm going to find this man. Can you just imagine for a moment when this actually happens? Because we just read it and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, somehow we're bored by the Bible, but can you put yourself there for a second? And can you imagine Jesus is in such and such a city. He's, he's on a road, let's say, coming into or out of the city. I don't know, but he was close enough to the city to be a part of the city. And here's this man that is, has been seeking Jesus for maybe, let's just call it a few weeks since he's first heard. And he's looking for Jesus, and he checks this place, and he's not there. And he checks that place, and he's not there. He checks the other place, and he's not there. He heard, he heard, he heard. But then he comes around a corner, a bend in the road. He looks down the lane, and he's like, is that who I think it is? Is that? He gets a little bit closer. He doesn't want to get too close because, you know, he's a leper. But he says, I think this is who I think it is. And can you imagine the moment when he realizes that this is the Jesus that I've heard about and I'm now seeing. I think the most powerful part of this story is when the man who had only heard actually sees the man, sees the man that he's only heard of. He rounds the bend and he says, there he is. There he is. That is the one. My holistic doctor couldn't do it. My medical doctor couldn't do it. My, my, uh, my chewable gummies could not do it. I, I even rubbed oil on myself, you know, and I diffused it. <laughs> Nothing happened. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, nothing happened. I, you know, I drank the oil, got sick. I, I don't know, like, <laughs> but here a few things happened, like everything else did not work. But this man sees Jesus. Do you know what? Seeing Jesus unlocks a chain of events that completely changed this man's life. A few things happen as, after a result of seeing Jesus. Number one, he fell on his face. Now, can I just point this out? Like, I, I, I'm not, like, falling on your face doesn't mean that you feel miserable about yourself and go, ah, you fall on your face that way. Falling on your face means that you are, you are reverencing the one that you're bowing towards. And this is a pattern biblically. When you see Jesus, just like, what, Simon Peter, just a few verses before when he sees what Jesus did, he's supernatural. When he sees what Jesus did, he recognizes his sinfulness and he falls at Jesus' knees. Remember that? Well, here's more of the same. When he sees Jesus, he does not go, cool. Yo, Jesus, down here. You see me? You are a dude just like me. 
You got problems like me. You got stuff like me. We're the same. That's the kind of Jesus that we're trying to create today. But can I tell you that while Jesus loves you and while you're made in his image, there are some very huge defining characteristics that show that you are not like Jesus. Jesus came to give you through faith his righteousness, but the problem was you don't have it. All right? So here this man, this leper, does not say, cool, there's a dude just like me. That's what I thought, yo. He doesn't say, Jesus, you're broken like me. Jesus, you're lonely like me. Jesus, you're, you're downright miserable like me. When this man sees Jesus, he falls on his face because he realized that he is encountering God. One glance at Jesus communicates a lot. God, you're big, and I'm small. God, you are the answer, and I've just got problems. God, you're worthy, and I'm not deserving. God, you need nothing, and I am desperate for everything you've got. This is what, a, a glance at Jesus. Do you know the glance? You know, seeing Jesus like this, and suddenly the world makes sense, and some of all, suddenly all your striving, and suddenly all of your small dreams of being rich, and being influential, and being powerful, and being famous, all that stuff, it gets minimalized, <laughs> down to nothing. And that stuff is, uh, finances, money, and influence are only okay if it brings glory to Jesus. And one glance, one encounter with Jesus, his face communicates all of that and can wreck you in a moment. Falling at Jesus' feet is sometimes the best place that you can be when you have problems and you're fighting on many fronts, on many sides. An encounter with Jesus. Guys, I'm telling you right now, if you've only heard about the man, seek him till you find him. The promise for you is you will find him if you seek him. I promise you. You have to get an encounter with Jesus. You have to look in his eyes. You have to wind up at his feet. And so many of us in our, in our theological high horses, having only heard, but blind is a theological bat, judge the church. And what happens there is Jesus has to show up and knock you off your horse and make you blind for a while like he did to Saul. All right? And then he sends a no-namer to go say, Ananias, brother Saul. What brother? What? <laughs> yeah, I've just saved him, and he needs to recover his sight. Do you remember this story in the book of Acts? It has to happen. I would say, hey, guys, let's not take it that far. Let's fall at Jesus' feet, and let's climb down from our high horses. Amen? Does that sound like a good biblical idea? So this happened. So he fell on his face, but then, then it says that he begged him. Do you see that there? He fell on his face, and it's kind of simultaneously. He fell on his face and he begged him, both at the same time. Now, I've heard a lot about how begging is not how sons and daughters act. Um, it's how outsiders act. Okay. You know, when I see the needs of my kids, I don't wait till they beg like, like, a, like an outsider. But there is something when there's something in their heart. Okay, listen. When there's something in their heart that means so much to them that they would come to me humbly, maybe a little exasperated, maybe very desperate, and begin to what I would call beg, not because they don't know that they're not a son or a daughter in my house, not because they don't believe that I'm a good dad, not because, but just because it matters so much to them. That's what I think this begging is. And in fact, I would say if you hung begging up, if you, kinda, like, if you retired it, I would say unretire it. 
And there has, to be a, a, there has to be a travail that happens to our prayer lives again where we begin to go to God with what matters to us so much that it, it's like we're begging. We're like, this debt, this matters so much to me. I am desperate for you to move here. I'm not casual about this. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm a son or a daughter. I know that it's, I'm not doubting my position in your house, but there's a cry in my heart in this moment that I need you to hear. I tell you what, when my kids do that, it's usually when I dole out a discipline and they beg for me to remove it, all right? I tell you what, something activates in my dad heart that all I want to do is show mercy and grace and compassion. I can't always reverse the punishment because that would not be good parenting. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, you wanted to, this is what it's like, but man, do I want to hug them and love on them and shelter them from the storm. And so, so many of us, we, we need to get begging back. We need to go to God with, with what's in our heart and we need to cry out to him as a desperate one again. But here's the third thing that happens. It's not only that he's, he's begging. It's not just that he's on his face here. But do you see what he, he calls Jesus? Is he calls Jesus Lord. Now, this was a, a, a term of respect back in the day. It was kind of like saying sir. It was common. Commonly used for someone that was respectable. And so he could just be saying, hey, I've been searching for you for weeks. I've heard of your, your fame. I've, I've heard your messianic announcement uh, you know, in Nazareth. And I'm just here just paying some respects, calling you sir like I would any other person on the street. It could be that, but I don't think it is. I think that he's calling Jesus Lord here because he has heard that Jesus has announced himself as the Messiah. And he's seen the miracles that have ensued as a result. He's just looked in his eyes and is wound up at Jesus' feet. He's begging here. I think that he's calling Jesus Lord because he recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. So he calls him Lord. But I believe that he's, he's declaring his faith in who he actually is. We can argue with that all you want. It doesn't really matter. That's just what I think. Here's a fourth thing. I want to move on here. It says, and here's the thing that I really think is going to hit people in the heart, is that this man, full of leprosy, at Jesus' feet, calling him Lord in a begging kind of way, doesn't appeal to his own personal need. He doesn't appeal to his own personal desire. He makes no declarations. He appeals to Jesus' desire. Man, just, just take that in for a moment. Here's a guy that says, hey, you're the Messiah. I believe that you can make me whole. I, I believe that you're the Messiah. Tell this to leave me. I'm full of it. Just tell it to go. Like he, doesn't, he doesn't say, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. He does not appeal to his own desire. He says this. He goes, if you see this in the text, if you will, from the ground... In a begging way, he's talking to the Messiah. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. Oh, man, this is, this is, this is something. This is not, listen to this, this is not, if you can, you will. This is, if you will, you can. Do you know what, if you can, you will, looks like? Well, it looks like Matthew chapter 9. <laughs> this isn't going to be on the screen. 
It looks like Matthew chapter 9, verses 22 to 24, and this is where we run into the, remember the dad who brought his epileptic son to the disciples? Jesus was up on the mountain talking to Moses and Elijah <laughs> and his dad, uh, and, but uh, they're, they're down on the earth, but below there was the disciples that couldn't cast a demon out of this boy. And so here you see in Matthew chapter um, 9... Well, maybe it's Mark. I don't know. I just lost it. But let me just tell you about it. I'm not going to read it. Here's what happens is this dad brings his son who is possessed by a demon, and the demon makes him foam with the mouth, and like the demon tries to throw him into fires and into water and convulse. And the disciples can't get this thing out that's causing this harm to his, to his boy. And so Jesus comes, and Jesus says, what's going on here? And the, uh, the father says, he's exasperated. He's desperate. He's begging, but in a different way. And he says, your disciples couldn't do it, but if you can, do something, he basically says. And Jesus says this incredible word. He goes, if you can, exclamation mark, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. So that is a father saying, if you can, you will. But here the leper is not saying if you can. I believe that he knows that the man he's talking to can do anything that he wants to. His concern is not if he can. His concern is if he desires it. And I think that many of us, I know I fall into that category. I, I know that God can do everything. I'm sometimes not sure if he wants to do what he can do in my life. Anybody been there? Is it just me? I know you can. I'm just not sure if you will. See, if you will means this, if you desire to. Or let me, let me just break it down even more as if you want to. I know you can if you want. I know you can. But Jesus, you have to want it. You have to want it. Wow. I know you can, Jesus. And I think that, that, in other words, if you want to heal me, I know that you can. And I think that this is where many of us get stuck. We get stuck on Jesus' desire. We get stuck wondering, maybe Jesus wants me to live a life full of leprosy. Maybe Jesus wants this for me. Maybe Jesus wants, and maybe we take it a step further. Maybe it's, it's not just that, that he wants it. Maybe he did it to me. Maybe I need to spiritualize this. Maybe Jesus gave me the leprosy, and I just have to, well, listen, listen. I know we go through all kinds of suffering and all kinds of hard times. I know that all kinds of stuff come at us in this messed up world. I know that, that, that sin is the culprit here, not God. Originally, God made a perfect world. He, he, he made a cancer-free world. He made a leprosy-free world. He made a divorce-free world. That's the world that he originally made. But then sin enters the world, and God gets the blame for the stuff. And so here, this man is bowing before Jesus and he's throwing his future on Jesus' desire. On Jesus' desire. Can we settle this question? Can we see in this situation, what did Jesus desire? Look at verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will. In other words, I want. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Guys, I'm not saying this is a recipe for how to get your healing. I'm sick of that kind of preaching, honestly. You know, step one, two, and three to how to get your healing. Okay, listen, all I know 
is that when Jesus sees a man, we don't know if he's a Samaritan, we don't know if he's from Asia, we don't know if he's, we don't know his nationality, we don't know his background, we don't know his anything, we just know that he's full of leprosy, and when he says Jesus, from Jesus' feet, when he says Jesus, I know that you can, if you will, Jesus says, I will be clean. Now guys, this is something to take to heart. This is something to, G- to take to heart. Jesus says, I want to. I want to. I think so many times I've prayed to God for a miracle, and I didn't actually believe that God wanted to do it in my life. Sometimes God will close a door. Sometimes I've, I've prayed, uh, you know, maybe a selfish prayer. I'm not saying that God is obligated to answer every single prayer, but I am saying this, that he's good. He's good. I am saying that we can appeal to his heart. What happens after this is, Verse 14 is, is, is Jesus didn't stop there. And I'm telling you maybe, you, maybe you got a miracle. Maybe God did something in your life. But I want to tell you, God's maybe not through. All right? Look at verse 14. It says, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. So you know what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is not just healing the man's body, but he's sending him back into the society that banished him. He's sending him back into community, but now healed and whole. He's sending him back, and he, he, he wants it documented by the leaders of the day. I want a documented healing on the books that this man that you were forced to live in the margins of society, this man that you used to call a leper, this man that you tried to force a different identity on, he is now new. He is now healed. He is now welcome back. So Jesus is healing the man's body, but he's healing the man's everything. Healing the man's everything. And I wonder if many of us only have a theology where God only cares. Listen, sometimes we have a theology where God only cares about your eternity. It's like, who cares about what happens here? Who cares if you're in emotional turmoil? As long as you're going to heaven. Listen, I'm telling you, eternity matters. It matters more than anything. This, this life is a vapor. Yeah, it, is, it is like an inch when there's bazillions of miles of eternity. So I'm telling you, eternity matters. The Bible says, what does it profit a man? If he gains the whole world but loses his soul. So I am not minimizing eternity. That's our biggest problem that we have wanted in eternity without God. It's our biggest problem. But I think that some of us, maybe some of you right here, you need to put your faith in Jesus for your eternity right now. You need to repent of your sins and call upon the Lord, and he promises to save you. But all I'm saying is that sometimes we get so fixed on eternity that we stop believing that God cares about you now. Right now, in this moment, the hard conversation that you had last night, the, the hard week of work last week, the way your kids are, your prodigals, your finances, sometimes we just don't believe that God actually cares now. And as much as God has, has allowed us to access eternity with him forever, God also wants to bring eternity into your now We've never believed that God actually cares about our present situation. And I just want to tell you today, he cares. Listen, guys, he cares and he cares and he cares and he cares and he cares so much. It's interesting that Jesus didn't send angels to just kind of blast the message of eternity on the earth, but he actually stepped into time 
he stepped into now, and he showed up on a road with a leper who was struggling so bad, fighting on every front. I want to tell you, when I first encountered the now care of God, I was about four years old. My little brother, Philip, had just been born, I remember. And uh, I was struggling with asthma. I was in the hospital all the time. And I woke up one night with an asthma attack. This is, I don't know, maybe two in the morning with an asthma attack, and I could not breathe at all. At four years old, when you have to think about eternity and, and dying, wow, impacted me. I remember my very concerned parents threw me in uh, to this uh, yellow station wagon. You remember those? Way back, from the, it was a 1970-something vehicle. And they're rushing me to the hospital, and I'm just getting worse. I, like, blew in the face. Like, I cannot breathe. I just remember feeling desperate as a kid. I could not breathe. I'm freaking out. Didn't know how to do this. And my dad turns on the radio, and on the radio, this song, it was like, it was just like, like sent from heaven right into the uh, moment. But it was a song called, He Will Carry You. It says, if he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my brother, that he will carry you. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders. I know my sister that he will carry you. And I just remember, it's the first time in my whole life I felt the presence of God fill our nasty vehicle. Rushed and stressed, driving to the hospital. I remember the presence of God coming. I just remember being able to breathe again. When we got to the hospital, I remember they're like, what's wrong? And, and we said, well, now nothing, but he couldn't breathe just minutes ago. But it's just like we, they trusted in the, in the very ever-present power of God in a vehicle on the way to the hospital. I remember a few weeks ago, my wife and I were doing bills. I'm going to be super upfront with you. We were $2,000 short for the month. We had all kinds of stuff. We had no clue how we were going to pay this extra $2,000. We almost got to a, into a fight because she wanted to blame me. Uh, of course, I knew it was her fault. And then so we're all, we're figuring things out, but we knew there was extenuating circumstances that neither one of us had control of. And so we just kind of like stopped the talk. I said, I got to get out of the house. I went out back. I started washing my car and we hear a knock at the door. My daughter runs out and says, there's some guy at front. So I walk around front, but Adrian welcomes him through the, through the house. So we just missed each other again. I'm just more annoyed. I'm like, ah, nothing's working. And I remember then I kind of go through the house. I meet up with him out back where I originally was. He hands me an envelope. He said, I was just praying for you. God told me to drop this off. See ya. He gets in his car. He leaves. I'm like, oh, this feels fat. Uh, I, I go inside. I open it. $2,000 right there. Just able to pay the bills. We weren't able to stash it away for something. It was like God met us in our, in our moment, guys. God met us in our moment. Even, even though it looked broken and a little disastrous, God met us in our moment. I, can I just tell you this, guys, that he cares and he cares and he cares. And maybe God's brought you to this moment. And what you need more than hearing about Jesus, what you need more than theologizing about Jesus, what you need more than the believing something false about Jesus, like he doesn't care, is what you really need is you just need to see Jesus. And you need to see the love in his eyes. You need to see the care in his heart. You need to see that theologically, he stepped into our lives. It means he cares. Guys, he cares. Do you hear this? Whatever you're going through right now, I'm telling you, the problem is not that he doesn't see it, that he doesn't know it, and that he doesn't care. He sees it. He cares. He's got divine solutions to every single problem. 
He, he wants to be the shield on every single front. He doesn't want you bearing, bearing your own load. He, he wants to insert his care right now. And I just, you know the old song, Open My Eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. God, that's just what I pray over this house right now. I just pray over this house. I pray over my heart and I pray over all of our hearts. God, I pray that, that you would supernaturally open up our eyes to see Jesus. See the caring heart of Jesus. He's paid for all of our eternity. He's reconciled us to his father. And then he meets a leper on a road. It's just like he cares. He cares for the people on the fringe. He cares for the people in the margins. He cares for the person that time forgot. He cares. He cares. So open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. We want to see you, Jesus. I'll just encourage you guys. We're just going to sing that song for a moment. I would just encourage you, just right where you're at, if you just need to really feel like you need to be seen by God today, or, or let me say this more, you, you want to begin seeking Jesus and you want to see him. I would just encourage you to just stand to your feet and just, just do this. Jesus loves this. Oh, man, he loves this. Would you just stand to your feet? Would you just hold your hands out? Would you say, Jesus, would you just come? You were the answer to my every problem. You were my answer to my every need. Would you just stand before him? Would you just say, Jesus, you were all that I need. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.